Hey everyone, welcome to another monthly highlights, the May 2023 highlights from the Innovators Mindset podcast and awesome guests this month. And I'm just always so appreciative that people will take their time to have conversations with me. And so this is a great way to kind of learn from some new people, some of the highlights from the podcast. But as always, I, I really like to start with some introductions, some thinking that I maybe had this week just to kind of start off the highlight episode. And what I wanted to really focus on is how do you actually finish the school year? And I was thinking about this this morning when I was out doing my run. I've been doing these long runs on Sunday. I'm recording this uh, Sunday morning. And one of the things that's really important to me is how do I actually finish that run? And I'll be honest with you, some days just finishing is amazing. Just that I actually set out to do a certain uh, mileage and then I achieved that. And that's what I got to do. And some years, we that's what we need to do. Some days, that's what we need to do. And that's okay. But for me, when I actually start a run, I actually try to start off slow. And what I mean by that is I'll just kind of get my feet moving, kind of focus on my breath, see how I'm feeling. Because a lot of times what we actually do is we start off so quickly that we deplete our energy by the time we get to the end, we just can't make it. We just can't finish. And I think that you have to kind of get mentally connected, not just physically, but mentally connected to whatever you're doing. So I always suggest when people are running races and I've done several in my lifetime, just to kind of start off slow, just kind of understand the environment around you and just kind of focus on what you're doing because you want to actually save that energy for how you finish because that's what you're going to actually really remember and that's something I thought about as you know I was finishing off school years finishing off to be honest you jobs knowing that I was going to go to another place or another position and I thought about this recently just because of the conversations that I've been privy to with many educators around the world the one instance I think of with my grade four teacher her name was Miss Butler her very first year of teaching and I don't remember much about that year. I remember, weirdly enough, that I was in grade four, but I felt like a veteran of the school, and this new teacher comes in, and it was like we had to like welcome her, even though I was like nine years old. And she just kind of was getting accustomed to this space, and you know, she's doing the same thing. She's kind of starting slow, understanding the environment, where she's at. And honestly, she was one of my favorite teachers ever. And... The weird thing is I don't really remember much about that year. I kind of remember when she first came in. I remember a couple of things that happened throughout the year. But what I really remember was at the end of the year, she would do this thing where she would actually write a card to every single kid and talk about the impact and why that kid was so special to them. And everything was so unique and it wasn't in a report card. And she also was very thoughtful in the way that she actually presented the card. This is going to be a little bit embarrassing. Uh, I was a big Smurfs fan. I love the Smurfs. I still love the Smurfs. The Smurfs movie was actually pretty good from at least what I'm going to remember. Um, and so she knew I was into the Smurfs. So she wrote this card to me and she actually put it in a Smurf shape. So I remember that specifically. And she talked about how much she appreciated my humor, how much I joked around in class, how I brightened people's day. 
She also acknowledged that I would bring meals for everybody because my parents own a restaurant and I'd bring pizza and how much she appreciated that and how it made the environment, the classroom so much better and how much people loved my parents' food. And that really meant a, a lot to me. And of all the things that I remember about that year, that one sticks out to me. And that was on my very last day of the school year. And that was when I was like nine years old. And here I am at 48, still remembering that vividly, remembering when she handed out that card, I didn't know what it was and then reading. And and actually I can see in front of me some of those words that she had written, especially about my parents and the pizza that they would bring and how proud that made me not only of my year, but of my family and how much that meant to me. And that stuck out to me. I love that so much that when I became a teacher, one of the things that I used to do at the end of the year was write cards to every one of my students and talk about how special they were to me. And in her very first year, and I'm sure she got way better as a teacher, as the majority of teachers do, she made such a significant impact that it actually stuck with me into adulthood and it actually permeated and went to other students around the world that she had never taught. And that's something that's really powerful. And it was all about how she finished that year. And we talk a lot about this with our students. And I think that's really important, obviously, being in education. But also think about the adults that you work with, whether it's a colleague um, that's leaving, whether it's an administrator, whatever. I read this article years ago, and it really stuck out to me. I cannot remember the article. I just want to acknowledge that it's not my thinking. But the thing that it said is people will remember the last three months of their time in any organization more than if they worked 30 years prior. And that really stuck out to me. And some of the best places I worked with, and when I say the best, how they treated me as I left the organization, as I left the school, really stuck with me in both positive ways and negative ways. And so you wanna leave that lasting impact And people can really think about this and say, well, you know what? Like, why do I care? You know, why do I care how I treat people? They're leaving anyway. It doesn't really matter. But those people actually talk to other educators. They talk to other people and they actually tell a story of your organization. And so really thinking about how you finish with people that are leaving your organization, whether they're going on to a new job, whether they're going on retirement, to actually make sure that they know how appreciative they are, how welcome they were, and how much of an impact they actually had made in that organization. Because not only is it helpful to that person, but it's helpful to your organization. As people leave, they will tell a story, and that story will spread. And what talent does that attract? What teachers want to come to that school when they hear like, oh yeah, when I was there, and not basing on the first 30 years, but the last three months, they treated me terribly. I'm looking at some of my friends who are moving on from their position. I said that you really think about the the impact that you have as you end your time at that place, how people will look at you will not be based on what you did before, but on those last few months, because we always talk about first impressions, but last impressions really, really stick. So yeah, of course, when we start a race, when we start a career, when we start a job, just kind of get to know the space, you know, kind of start off slow. Sometimes we go so hard into it that we just don't have the energy to, to finish. And sometimes, as I said earlier, finishing is everything, just making it to that end line. I know there's years as a teacher 
or just making it to the end of the year seemed like an incredible accomplishment. And honestly, it was. But really thinking about how this year for your students, this is their last time ever in this grade, ever in this class. How will they remember this time? And that last day, that last month, that last week really will stick out with people, whether they're kids, whether adults. And I wanted to share that with you because I know that I've had really great experiences in the last few times or last few weeks. I've had terrible experiences in the last few weeks. And I'm sure I've been the opposite as someone who was a leader, an administrator. Uh, I hope that the people I served, they remember me fondly, but I guarantee you some of them I could have done better with. And so I kind of share from my successes and my failures about how we end that time. Those We talk about first impressions all the time. Last impressions are often lasting impressions. So I wanted to share that with you all as you think about the end of this school year for many people, especially in North America, as that school year comes to close, some of you, it's already completed. But I want to share from my experience and from my, as I said, mistakes, failures and successes. And I hope that helps you. But other than that, I know you're going to really enjoy this episode with some really great guests. Welcome back to another highlight episode of the Innovators Mindset Podcast. What was your like your hopes for, you know, what this book would do to to really help schools, you know, in a time where, you know, there's there's obviously some negative uh, conversations about schools from the outside. Well, so many people, George, get thrown into school communication without any communication background. Um, right. I'm one of them. Like I was a chemistry business major back in uh, college oh. and got my MBA and now I run a social media company. But we've all, um, especially us, I'm, I'm now 45. I didn't grow up with social media. Right. So I had to learn it. And schools really inviting and, and using this as a tool, it's been something that you've kind of had to try by trial and error. Mm -hmm. and, and we know good things are happening, but how do we get the stories? How do we monitor the comments? And how do we handle all of this? Um, so I really wanted to put together a thorough guide. I do a lot of webinars. I have a podcast of my own. Like I've got um, uh, hundreds of blogs out there. But I didn't have one resource to be able to say, hey, you know, person who just got right. handed the keys to Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, like here's some proper ways of how you should use it for a public school, private school, charter school. This is really meant for all K-12 schools. Um, but I think now in their hand, they've got a five section book that really breaks down, you know, um, just some of the systems and the branding and the storytelling and and best practices and, and professional development that they can use to, to really engage their mm. community, engage right. parents, but also 70% of your community has nobody in school right now. And right. so can we amplify those stories? And, and me as a parent of six kids who don't say, they don't tell me what's going on at school, George. And so because of social media, I can see what they're learning, what they're experiencing, and it can lead to some great engagement. Yeah. And and I think that was a, a big thing for me too. It wasn't just like, cause you, you saw the, you know, kind of, I know it's kind of weird to say old school, but people would have websites and it was just a one-way communication tool. Right. And then they moved to social media 
and they they use it as a one-way communication tool when it actually had the opportunity to have conversations and to kind of connect and one of the things that i was really passionate about was not limiting it to a just like one person was in, in charge of the communication and mm-hmm. e- even in Avere's mindset i shared this that uh, a twitter handle is about communication a hashtag is about community you look back at your teaching career and your superintendent now if you can go back to you know first year teacher scott what advice would you give and why it's interesting i, I that's a really really good question because you know having 25 years later the first thing I think I have to do real quick is just remember what it was like to be a uh, to be a first year teacher. And then I hate to say it, but I think 25 years ago, times might have been or at least they feel like they might have been a little bit simpler mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit less expectations. And um, so I really think the educators of today, they're really up against it, you know, for a lot of different reasons. You know, expectations are, you know, through the roof right now. We're dealing with a lot of things at the societal level in terms of, you know, things, forces, you know, kind of spinning around and things like that. And you have to confront, you know, different things. But I think that I what I would probably say is really take your time in developing, you know, your craft, you know, kind of getting back to the story that I just shared a couple of moments ago is that I think we want everything to fall into place immediately. And I think it's kind of similar to the students that we teach. Right. Some students are going to grab onto it right away and run with it and take it to the next level. Some students, it's going to take a little bit longer and some aren't going to get it in our time frame. And we have to figure out ways in which we can be patient with them and approach it in different ways in order to make sure that they that they get that. And I think I feel the same way, you know, with teaching, you know, at the end of the day, it really is a multi-year process. And I think in year one, if you can just get your classroom management down, obviously yeah. everything is important, but if you can get your classroom management procedures down, to me, that's the foundation of all, you know, really good, you know, education is that you have to make sure that you can manage students and you can manage your materials in an efficient and effective way. And then I would kind of say in year two, if you could really begin to hone in on the instruction, you had a, a year to kind of figure out what works, what doesn't, how can you perfect that a little bit better? And then to me in year three, you could really target in on that assessment a little bit better. And really, if your classroom management is going pretty well, if your instruction is going really well and you're engaging those learners, the last piece is how do you make sense as of what they learned? And you know, the, really the main thing is, did they learn at the end of the lesson? And honing in on that assessment piece, I think is really important. You just basically gave every school district listening the three-year mentoring plan for teachers coming into the school district. You just and just gave it away for free. So I'll have to put like a tip jar up on Amazon or something like that for you for doing that. The, the thing that you said, and I, you know, I, I've done this podcast quite a while and I've never heard that advice before. And I thought it was really profound. You know, like basically we should remember what our first year is like, but don't assume our first year 25 years ago is similar to the first year that people are having right now. It's very different. So I, I, I appreciate that. I guarantee you a lot of teachers, it's not just the mentors that are distilling wisdom to the mentees, but it, it is a back and forth process. Right. And I, I know that's something that you're really passionate about. So how do you see that mentorship program? How has it led to, cause I, I think you, you ha- you've had several cohort, cohorts already, how have you seen that kind of come to play with helping um, not only uh, 
people go into the superintendent position, but actually be successful. Cause I think it's one thing to accept the job, but it's another thing to actually be really good at it. How has that mentorship program really kind of help facilitate that process? So it's, it's really neat because what happens is with um, the mentor and, and, and mentees and the entire cohort, it becomes like a network mm-hmm. and you know how important networks are. Oh. So, um, and then, you know, we, we offer guidance and we, you know, we, t- we tell our, our aspiring uh, Latino superintendents, if you are going to an interview, feel free to reach out to us mm-hmm. and we'll be happy to, to do a mock interview or, you know, whatever you need. Um, and then stay connected, stay connected with the, your cohort with your mentors, with all the guests that we bring, because they all uh, give them their their contact information. They say, if you ever need something, reach out right. to me. Um, so that whole, it's, it becomes a really big na- uh, national network. And then, of course, we tell them, stay connected through your, your state and right. your national associations. Because you need, you need to be connected. This is, I mean, it could be a lonely uh, job, but that's if you make it lonely, you know, if you surround yourself with others, it's not so lonely. Well, it's, it's funny because when I first became a uh, principal, that that felt like such an isolating position, right? Because and even more so in the superintendent position, right? Because way fewer superintendents than there are administrators and there are teachers. Uh, you kind of feel like you're on an island that when you make a decision is, you know, all eyes on you. and oh the reason I actually started connecting through social media kind of connecting was to do exactly what you said was to network was to connect with people and to kind of find out like, Hey, is this thing I'm doing crazy or does this make sense? And sometimes you're like, no, no, no. Here's what I would do. Here's some of this. And like, or sometimes I get, no, no, do not do that. Which was also helpful too. Right. And that to me is such an important aspect of it because Sometimes when people get into roles, they're ready to accept the role, but they don't necessarily thrive because they don't reach out after. And when I moved to Florida, a a friend of mine said, I asked him how he met so many people. And he said this, and it really shifted how I look at my time here. He said, I made it my business to to meet these people. And I, I really try to do that, make different connections when I'm here, learn from different people. Um, and you know, not always do exactly what they say, but learn from their experience. And I, I felt that when I first started admin, it accelerated, um, my knowledge because I had years and years of experience to tap into. So I, I love that program. And Jason, and I started talking that day and he was sharing some of the stuff that I was talking about that he was already doing. And I, I really appreciated that. And they basically had this program in the school. I'll, I'll let Jason talk more about that. But he, he's been just doing incredible things forever. So I met some really amazing people that day. And you're one of the ones that stuck out. So when you, te- when you actually messaged me that you had this book coming out, uh, and you can actually see Jason has a new book out um, with Stacey Ross Cohen, and it's called Brand Up. You can actually see in the link down below. I think it is such a, I, I said, hey, you got to come on your podcast. Once it's out, watching the podcast, I want you talking about this. So Jason, if you could just kind of introduce yourself what you do today, how you got there. I think that is a really great place to start. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me, George. Uh, so this journey started back in 2013. Um, 
I was asked to reimagine our digital uh, communications course and our computer applications course. And the vision was kind of fuzzy. We just knew that we didn't know what we wanted to do because we didn't know what the future would look like for these children, right? And so the, the benefit of me not being an ed tech guy at that time was that I wasn't coming in with a particular bias or a particular app that I loved. Mm -hmm. I was coming in almost the same way the kids were coming in. I was a, a newbie. I was fresh. I didn't know much about um, Instagram, social media, Twitter, those kinds of things. And so I was willing to learn from the ground. And so what that meant was I'm going to study everything I can about personal branding, everything mm -hmm. I can about marketing. And that led me in some amazing places. And then I would find ways to sort of connect that to teaching computer literacy and digital citizenship. At the beginning, it was a lot of common sense media, what not to do. Mm -hmm. And then as I grew and felt more comfortable, it went from this father like, here's what you don't do, right. to this big brother like, hey, here's what you can do so that you can still have fun and still do all the things you love, but it won't destroy your reputation. It'll help it. Um, so that was 2013. I think we met 2017. Yeah. And then 2019 uh, is when I decided to come up here to Orlando. And today I'm doing entrepreneurship stuff, but mm -hmm. I kept the relationship with uh, my friend Stacy, who uh, was a Huffington Post author, and mm -hmm. we collaborated on this book together. And it's got a great mix of her experience on Madison Avenue and my experience in the classroom. And there's tangible, actual things that uh, students and young adults can really benefit from. Well, it's actually interesting because the the book talks about ways that you can, and I, I really believe in that. We are so focused on don't do this. And I'll, I'm going to give everyone a little, little mind game here, right? We focus on telling kids to don't do stuff so much in schools. I remember I was speaking to a group of edu or students and they introduced me and the, the guy didn't know who I was, by the way. And it was like kind of weird. Cause I'm like, why would you bring me in to speak? But they just saw, Hey, we got to talk about social media with our students. So they said, Hey, here's this guy from Canada. He's going to talk about social media with you today. So it was all high school students. The second they, he said that they all started groaning. Because they thought you were going to tell the bad stuff. Because all they thought I was going to do for the next hour was like, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And all I said to them was, hey, do you all know what cyberbullying is? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, don't do that. Anyways, here are the things you can do. Here are some of the students right now doing some incredible things. And many of them came up to me and said, no adult has ever talked to us like this. That they ever said, here's the things you can do. And here's a little thought experiment, right? A lot of times when we say don't, you actually put ideas in the heads that are negative. So here's the experiment. Jason, let's see if the, how this works with you. So don't think of an elephant. <laughs> like elephants. what's the first thing you think of? Elephant. Right. Yeah. right. And, that, and that's, you know, I remember someone saying that to me. I was like, ah, that's kind of weird. And, and really, if people are going to search you to make sure you're not doing something bad, what happens when they find that you're doing really great stuff? It's just going to be to your right. advantage, right? So my first week of school at my new school here, we brought in like a, FBI agent and he was going to give the social media talk right. oh, and it was don't do this don't do this here's right. a kid who got uh, stolen right. from a park I walked into my principal's office and I said I know we just met you just hired me this is my thing and if that's the only message we're going to give our kids right. I don't know if I found the right place hmm. and she said Jason what do you, what's your thing and I explained to her where I come from and my approach 
she said, I'm going to give you opportunity to speak to the parents in a couple of weeks. We set up a coffee talk. I had about, you know, 40 or 50 of the parents who decided to show up. And I said, hey, listen, your kids heard this message. I want you to know that there's an alternative message. Both are about your child's safety. But one is realizing that your kids are not giving up their accounts because that guy told them to. Right. Um, if anything, they're going to see what they can get away with. Um, if you teach your kids to love themselves and you show them good etiquette, they're going to copy what they see and what's in the best interests of themselves. That doesn't mean they're not going to make a mistake now. And right. then. Um, but if we raise good people, good humans, we're going to get good results. If you give them these tools and you never show them what to do with them, other than telling them what not to do, then you're leaving them open to guessing. Right. And it's not fair. It's not fair to them. Yeah. And that, that like the reality of it is everyone makes mistakes. And I think that building social capital and actually doing positive stuff, when you do make a mistake, people are like, okay, is that really, is that really who this person is? And I think that's something that's really important.